We are Pixie and Ogre. This is an intersectional LGBTQIA plus friendly podcast led by two lesbians living in the sticks of North Carolina. We discuss topics that support our values, including pro-Black Lives Matter, pro-trans and gender non-binary, and pro-sex work, among many other topics. Pixie is me, Mel. I hold a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. Ogre is Laura, who has no degrees or licenses, but just likes to hear her sarcastic fat ass talk. Good afternoon, it's Pixie or Mel. And the ogre, or <laughs> otherwise known as Laura. <laughs> well, so we, uh, <laughs> we did an episode after my depressive episode, and then I got sick. Goodness yeah. gracious. It's been an interesting couple of weeks. It really has, but now I'm well, well as well as you know, anyone can be in 2020. Um, and we're talking about diet culture today. Ooh. It's probably one of, one of my favorite topics to discuss. Yes. It's, well, it's interesting, and um, you know a lot about it, so. <laughs> I do. Not to get too much into this next piece, because that will be part of another episode coming up, but I do have a history of disordered eating, and I've experienced all the eating disorders, and the one that I struggle with currently is binge eating disorder. And diet culture has been central to my eating disorders very so much so for the people who are listening and they might not know what diet culture is can yes. you give us like a broad definition so diet culture would be this idea that basically individuals and mainly women i'm not saying that men are not impacted by diet culture but historically and stereotypically it is directed towards women that our worth is dependent on our size, and thin equals good, and fat equals bad. What about somebody who's in the middle? Average, you know, an average body type, they're probably still striving to be thin as well because diet culture would be in a 22-minute sitcom, you know, when people actually sat and watched TV and watched commercials and didn't fast forward through them, you know, in a normal 22-minute sitcom, you could see commercials for Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, and McDonald's, and weight loss pills, and Bowflex gyms. Like, it's just constant mixed messages of don't deprive yourself, indulge and treat yourself, but not too much because you don't want to be fat. But it's the holiday, so you can cheat. So, but not too much because you don't want to gain weight. And then if you do gain weight, guess what? We've got everything you could possibly need. We have every diet, gym, gym equipment, fitness, anything, fitness app, all the things. So, yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, it was a big deal um, with magazines like Vogue mm -hmm. and you know other high-end magazines showing yes. women that were just impossibly gorgeous and impossibly thin and then a lot of young women were looking up to these women as sure. you know their, their body role models and if you look at these magazines and the amount of Photoshop that goes into the creation of these ads yes you know, most of the women don't actually look like this. Right. Um, and it's it's hard getting young women to understand that. Um, 
you know, that a model's lifestyle isn't as healthy as, you know, you would think it is and that they don't always look like that. That's hours of makeup and hair and airbrushing and photoshopping. And, you know, they, they look at these models and I don't even know a famous model right now, but um, oh yeah, I, could, I couldn't I, name I a current. Like, I, first one that came into my mind: hashtag '80s baby, Cindy Crawford. Well, hell yeah! I mean, that's I can Iconic. I can name the old old school ones. <laughs> you know? And yes, these are beautiful women, and yes, these are amazing women. But it's they don't they don't look like that every single day of their lives. And, right. You know, they struggle with it being healthy and eating yes. healthy and doing you know the right things for their own bodies as well. Yep. Um, but I, I think that diet culture has been around for, I mean, I'm, I'm 47 and yep. it's something that I can always remember being Absolutely. in my life. You know, it's like, uh, you know, my mother was always on Weight Watchers yep. or working out or doing something. Um, you know, she always came into these fad diets like the grapefruit diet and like all she ate was freaking grapefruit for Atkins diet. Eat all the steak you could possibly want. Right. All these weird diets that are. You know, they're just not feasible. Um, but tell yes. me more. Well, so it was interesting. I Believe it or not, I didn't have the definition of diet culture at the ready. I just kind of, from my personal experience and what I've gathered from, you know, my reading and social media kind of gave an off-the-cuff definition. So I did Google it so that I could give like a little bit more concise definition. Okay. So this is from christyharrison.com and she is a registered dietitian, famously anti-diet. Um, she has a podcast, she has books on intuitive eating. She's pretty, pretty fucking awesome. So the definition on her website is, diet culture is a system of beliefs that worships thinness and equates it to health and moral virtue, which means you can spend your whole life thinking you're irreparably broken just because you don't look like the impossibly thin ideal. Yeah, that's that's pretty powerful. It is, and I'm glad that I looked it up because what I failed to mention in my paraphrasing definition is that thinness not only equates to moral virtue or being good or bad, but health. And this raises an interesting topic of discussion that you and I have had, um, and, and I don't want to speak for you. I'm fat. I'm a big person. I'm really? a size 20. Yeah. I'm a size 20 jeans. Um, whatever that means. See, I don't even go by sizes anymore. I just buy a tent. You bet. Stop. And I just wrap it around Stop. myself. Cause as long as the bits are covered. The you bits. Know, the bits. As long as the bits are covered, I'm good. You, you know, know, when you're home, the bits don't have to be covered. Eh. <laughs> the bits don't like to flop around. But even in this discussion about diet culture, I explained my size and my weight and how I present myself physically as a person with skin as a size 20 in old navy jeans whatever the fuck that means it's subjective right you could slap any number on there but everyone who's listening to this right now has some kind of visual of what a size 20 is even though my body shape may be very different from someone else who is also a size 20. right so it's very interesting that i should describe myself in that way but i'm i'm fat 
What are some of the negative connotations that come along with being labeled as fat, or not even being labeled, but actually being fat? Like, are there are there negative aspects that everyone just automatically thinks about when you talk about a fat person? So, kind of going off what you said about you know growing up with your mom doing diets. Again, product of the 80s and 90s that I am. Aerobics in the 80s was like the shit. Jane Fonda. Right? Dancing, sweating to the oldies. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had all the VHSs. And because my mom and I liked to dance, it didn't really feel like, quote, unquote, exercising. Um, but I learned very young by watching her, and she never commented on my weight. In fact, she always said the opposite. You're beautiful. You're perfect just the way you are. All the things moms are supposed to say. Right. Um, but the implicit message I was getting was my body is something that needs to be changed, maintained, handled, get, get a grip on it. For the sake of appearances or for your health? Interesting. When I was young, I would assume it was for sake of appearances because I really didn't understand health. Then as I started to become a teenager, there was, it was like this socially appropriate way of fat shaming by saying like, well, you wanna make sure that you're being healthy. You wanna make sure that you're being healthy all the time, just healthy, healthy, healthy. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just this constant message. So to kind of go back to your original question, the messages I received growing up, not from my mother specifically, but from the world, just TV shows, movies. I mean, Michael Jackson, um, Weird Al's uh, rendition of Bad doing fat, you know, in a fat suit. Um, the impression I got was that fat people are lazy. Unhealthy. Unhealthy, um, sick, smelly, couldn't take care of themselves. And so that was something that I didn't want to be in the same category as. Right. Um, what's interesting is, so I'm 39 now, I started my first diet. I didn't even know it was a diet at the time. I was watching what I was eating is what I called it, at 11. Mm. And I can remember losing a significant amount of weight at like age 12, 12. And the response I got from people, adults in my life, family members, friends, parents, that I looked good. Wow, you look great. You've lost weight. A 12 year old. Now, I don't think I need to tell you that at 12, I wasn't, you know, making sure I was getting enough macronutrients. I was completely uninformed and not eating anything with fat whatsoever. So what was I eating? Rice cakes with jelly. I was eating anything that literally just said zero grams of fat because I had no idea about calories, sugar, any of that. That's interesting. Yes. Yes. Um... Yeah, I, see, I didn't. I was always skinny as a kid. I was a tomboy, so I was really active, active outside playing all the time, and um, I didn't get fat until I went to boarding school, I guess. <laughs> and why do you think that is? 
because uh, there's a lot of like unhealthy food in America and I was basically like on my own as far as choosing what to eat right and so I could pick and choose what I wanted to eat and and you know I didn't have any parental oversight as far as nutrition and things like that and you know we always had snacks in our rooms for nighttime and sure you know you go visit your friends in all their dorm rooms and everybody has a snack it's right. like you know you have a friend come to your room and you offer them a snack so you visit five friends in an evening and you you had <laughs> yourself quite a little buffet <laughs> right and we're not talking like charcuterie we're talking you know, <laughs> Well, you did say boarding school. One doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, we were talking you know, little Debbies and, you know, like the, the scraping the bottom of the barrel of junk food there, you know. <laughs> the Twinkies that, the twi- never, yes, the Twinkies. that never degrade and just stay the same forever yes. and ever. Yes. But I, I did a little bit of research on diet culture because, you know, I've heard of it and I have a basic understanding of what it is. But, yeah. I, you know, I didn't realize how big it, it, the, the diet culture movement has become in the past couple of years especially with you know people there's a lot of youtube influencers and and you know instagram and all of the social media people that are a lot of them are, are documenting their weight loss journeys or they're a lot of people are having a gastric bypass, right. and so they're do, they're documenting their before and their, and their after for this. Sure. But the one thing that really blew me away was that dieting is a forty billion dollar <laughs> a year franchise. And you know what I'm going to say? Billion. What capitalism. You, capitalism. I mean, there's there's. The advertising, everything about it, it's to make you feel bad about yourself. That's right. For whatever reason. You're overweight, so you're never going to be a model. Well, honey, let me tell you, like, less than 1% of females are ever going to be models. Right. You know, you're overweight, so you're never going to get married. Who's going to propose to you? Mm-hmm. So you lose the weight, so you can have the dream wedding that you're seeing on The Bachelor, you know, and it's... It's a $40 billion industry that's just devoted to making you feel like shit. And, and the way they make their money is to guarantee that these diets don't work. So that you have to keep coming back or that you have to try a different one or every few years like Weight Watchers. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm attacking anyone diet situation but Weight Watchers is really the only one that I've I've done consistently I've no joke probably started and stopped Weight Watchers at least 50 times since I was age 16 I think Weight Watchers is a little bit different because Weight Watchers to me from what I have seen and I've had several close people in my life who have done Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers seems to be the one that is the most successful because it it gives you more freedom and power okay. to pick and choose. And I, and I think that that's the key to le- leading a healthy 
lifestyle okay. is to have a little bit of every food group. Okay. You know, and, and it's, I think that Weight Watchers is the one that kind of encourages that. Because some of these fad diets, like the grapefruit diet, you know, you only eat grapefruit. How long can you sustain that? Right. So I hear you. Um, I was very much indoctrinated with the Weight Watchers motto of this is not a diet, it's a lifestyle change. That was their claim to fame. This is not a diet, this is a lifestyle change. And I will say this, over the years, and again, I started it for the very first time 23 years ago. Wow. Over the years, they have become more whole foods focused. There's different plans. I don't even know what the most recent plans are, but they have plans where you don't have to, for those who aren't familiar, most Weight Watchers plans, you count points. So each food is associated with a number. Um, foods that are lower in points are in general considered quote unquote healthier because you can eat more of them. And last I heard, this was calculated by carbs, sugar, fat, and calories. Fiber. In fiber, that's right. Um, that being said, it, it's still a diet and it still fits into diet culture because it's restrictive. I get that, but I also understand that the world is changing and that there's not a whole lot of nutritional education that goes on. You know, it, it used to be you learned your nutritional rules, I guess you would call them, from watching your parents. You know, right. you know, your parents would cook the meal and you'd eat and there would be meat, vegetable, you know, and, but nowadays I think there's just a lot of families that, that, that cook sparingly. Right. There's a lot of microwave meals or fast food or eating out, that type of thing. But I, th I think it's important that nutritional education should be a part of you know a child's life and, and I think that they learn some of it at school but I don't think I honestly don't think anything you learn in school is sticks with you I mean as far as I think if you if you are born into it and you're taught it every day of your life it right. just becomes a part of who you are versus eating McDonald's every day and then when you're in ninth grade they're like, you got to have fiber and this and that. Right. And you're like, what is that? I don't know what that means. Right. Because you've never, you've never experienced that. Right. And I would agree with that. I do think that there needs to be more information about nutrition. So there's a couple things that you said that are, I, I think, so, so important. Is that it sounds like. It sounds like Weight Watchers to you wouldn't be considered a diet. Would that be fair? I, I don't think I would consider it a diet. Okay. I think that it's a way of life. I think that it's a way of healthy eating. So they're introducing you to the things that are healthier. Mm -hmm. And they're not saying you can't have anything. You, know, you can literally have anything you want. But they're, what they're telling you is there's a huge difference between a salad and a hot fudge sundae. Like if you want to eat this huge bowl of salad, that's fantastic. You can have a whole bowl. But if you want this hot fudge sundae, you can have a small cup. Okay. So they're teaching you. I'm, I'm with you. 
I, I think in the world of technology that we have now, I think that information can be found out without being on a Weight Watchers plan. I believe it is a diet because it is a plan. So that automatically instills like, I'm starting a plan, I'm ending a plan. So you get into this mindset of, on Monday I'm starting Weight Watchers, and I'm gonna track all my points, and I'm gonna do everything just right, and I'm gonna follow this prescription, and I'm going to lose weight. How is that different from deciding that you're just going to be a healthier person? How is that, like, you know, I, I go through this frequently where I'm like, I am giving up all sugar. Okay. And Monday morning, starting Monday morning, I'm giving up anything that has sugar in it or high carbs. Right. And so, you know, I mean, how is that different? Because it's not sustainable. None of these things are sustainable. They work short term because the novelty and the excitement of starting something new and feeling purposeful fuels the person for a given amount of time. Right, and then each week they see a pound or two loss that keeps that encourages them more and, and keeps them going on this plan. Right. But if you look at Weight Watchers, and again, I don't want this whole segment to be about Weight Watchers. Right, but I think this is an interesting conversation. It's. I don't look at it as a diet because they are teaching you nutrition. They're teaching you how to eat. So by starting this plan or this diet, if you, if you want to call it a diet, you're lear- you're, you know, the first two weeks you're all excited because you're learning about what you can eat. You're learning that you can have a giant bowl of salad and you're learning you can have this and that and this. Right. And you're, you're retraining yourself on how to eat instead of just being like, oh, I'm hungry, I'm gonna eat that whole bag of chips. Right. It's measuring your food out, weighing it, it's looking at things, looking at fiber and calories and reading labels and understanding what's in the food you're putting in your body. And I think that from an educational standpoint, you start learning things. Right. You start looking at labels and being like, oh my God, this has 60 grams of fucking sugar in it. I never knew that. Right. And putting it back being like, I, I don't want that. So if you stay on Weight Watchers, mm-hmm. every week you're learning more and more and more and it's becoming a part of your lifestyle. So it's not a diet after a while. It's just eating healthy. And so, you know, six months you pay your fees for Weight Watchers, or I don't, I don't even know how that works, but you pay your fees, you count your points, but the whole six months you're learning. You're learning about nutrition. You're learning about what fills you up, what doesn't, you know, what fiber does, what carbs do. So that at the end of the time, you're not stopping a diet. You're just cutting out the middleman because you don't need to count points anymore. You don't need the Weight Watchers anymore because you have learned how to eat healthy. And by doing it every day for six months, it's become a part of who you are now. It's become a part of your, your, your life. So if that were true, and I don't believe it to be, I would have been at my goal weight 22 years ago, and I would still be at my goal weight because I learn, I know, even though I'm fat, 
and I'm I this is the largest I've ever been ever I know more about nutrition from a non-educational standpoint but nutrition in general than probably the average thin person who doesn't have an eating disorder and doesn't obsess and worry about food every minute of every day. But the thing with with diets like Weight Watchers is that when people stop, they feel like they've gone off the wagon, so they just immediately start eating. They go, they revert back to their old lifestyle. Instead of using that time on Weight Watchers, instead of thinking of it as a diet so I can lose 15 pounds so I can fit into my fucking dress, people need to, to not self-sabotage and don't think of it as a punishment or a reward to get to that, into that dress or that outfit or whatever. You have to think of it as a transition from eating unhealthy to incorporating healthy eating into your lifestyle. And, and it shouldn't be a, um, you know, once you get to your goal weight, you're, you're done with Weight Watchers. You can go back to eating Twinkies. It should be, this is what I have learned about eating. And you continue it for the rest of your life. And that's not to say you can't ever have junk food, but understanding the nutritional aspects of it is what's that it's all about. This is such an interesting topic because, so a couple things. The people working at Weight Watchers are not registered dietitians. They're not medical professionals. They don't have any formal training in nutrition or diet. They're typically Weight Watchers members who have been what they call lifetime members. They've reached their goal and maintained it for a length of time and become lifetime members of Weight Watchers they're the ones leading the meetings, weighing you in, checking you in and taking your money. So that's one. I, I can get that same information on the internet, watching a documentary. It still has a diet feel to it because there's, the, there's gimmicks like jumpstart your program or... Um, ways around how can you um, have a zero point soup when you've run out of points for the week. I was on Weight Watchers and I was still able to binge every single day because I was given daily points and then I was given weekly points. And so the, the individuals that you're talking about who quit because they go off track definitely one category of folks other folks who who leave not just weight watchers but any diet feel that they have the information i i did this many many times okay i've been doing this for about six months i have a pretty good handle i have like 10 recipes for lunches and dinners that i know i enjoy and that are low point foods i don't have to pay for this anymore i can do this on my own and it's once once the restrictive part of it is taken away, there's this, for many of us, this rebellion of, I don't have anyone telling me what to do. 
and I don't have any control over myself, the illusion that I don't have any control over myself. And what's interesting is hearing words like healthy food, healthy eating, junk food. What does that mean? That's diet culture language. Because I think that there's a pretty clear distinction between what's considered healthy food and junk food. And again, I think this goes back to a lack of education where people are raised eating McDonald's and having junk food snacks and not understanding the importance of fruits and vegetables and, you know, grains and, and all of the good stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the only times they get vegetables or maybe Thanksgiving and then it's, uh, you know, greasy green beans and, and sweet potatoes, you know? Right. Um, a lot of people don't understand that just because something is a vegetable doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy. Um, that eating a whole bag of corn is not necessarily healthy. Right. Um, you know, you have to you have to be able to read a nutritional label and understand what each of the components is, and not just the components. You know, as far as fat and fiber and, and cholesterol and all of those nutritional things, but the ingredients. You have to be able to read the ingredients and understand that. You know, something that's made with 100% cream is going to be super rich and heavy and, you know, you have to read the ingredients and you have to be able to understand. Right. And, and I think that being on Weight Watchers and still being able to binge, I don't know, I, I don't, I'm not, I kind of get a whole self-sabotage feeling from that. I can see why you would feel that way. I'm, I'm going to see you and take it one step further. I believe diet culture, including Weight Watchers, have self-sabotage built into it. They need you to fail in order to keep making money. If they worked, then everyone would be on them for six months or a year. Everyone would be successful and there wouldn't be a $40 billion industry. $40 billion diet industry. And that includes everything, you know, workout gear. Right. I, I mean, all the... Now, I've done some Guggen while we've been chatting. And there is an 11% success rate for Weight Watchers. That's Weight, it? Weight Watchers alone, 11%. Wow. And in fact, just like any diet or workout or fitness commercial that you might see, in very, very little print, it says, results not typical. Mm-hmm. You are, it doesn't say this, I'm, I'm saying this, you are in a small minority if you are quote-unquote successful with which whatever that means. And I, I hear you about, and I don't want to sound ignorant like food is food is food. We know that food is medicine and food is healing and there are foods that, help us and there's foods that hurt us depending on if we have allergies or intolerances but labeling junk food healthy food that kind of inherently good or bad is so tied into diet culture as far as thin and fat being inherently good and bad it's so enmeshed in it right i, I totally get that um i think a lot of anti-diet culture folks, especially medical professionals, there's um, 
doctors who advertise being Hays certified, H-A-E-S, so that's health at every size. And, um, you know, as being a, a fat person and having a family with a lot of overweight people, um, typically any medical problem that we would go to the doctor over, have you thought about losing weight? Have you thought about losing weight? And I'm not saying that it wouldn't help, and I'm not even saying it's not the issue, but what happens is that becomes so much the main focus that potentially real issues that aren't weight-related are being overlooked. I agree. Because someone's just being profiled as, well, you're fat, so you must be inactive, which is not necessarily the case. You're fat, so you must be binge eating every day, which is not necessarily the case. In fact, I have a really interesting article that came out last year. Um, it's written by uh, Laura Munez, and I'm going to include this in the show notes. The title is called Why Diet Culture is Toxic Even for People Who Don't Diet. And she talks about always being naturally thin. And women, either women that she knew or didn't know, would literally come up to her and say, we want to know what your secret is. How are you able to eat whatever you want and you don't gain weight? Like it was some mystical <laughs> hidden temple secret that she was keeping from everyone. And really it was just like, I, I'm, I don't do anything different. So what was interesting was um, she said, in this article, if there exists a small woman who doesn't gain or lose weight no matter what, which is like, you know, this mythical creature that supposedly all of us strive to be, it stands to reason that there are large women who can't gain or lose weight no matter what. Yeah, I, I mean, that that's logical. So... However, when we look at a thin woman, we don't question, I mean, we do question, but in awe, we question how she's able to do it. But when you have a fat woman, well, you're just not trying hard enough. Well, have you tried this diet? You must be doing something wrong. Your macros are probably off. You know what? You're probably not drinking enough water. You know what? You should walk 10,000 steps a day. But it stands, I'm gonna repeat that, it stands to reason that a large woman may not be able to gain or lose weight no matter what. But we don't take that into consideration. The thin woman who may be uh, metabolically unhealthy and metabolically fat, we don't care. We claim when we fat shame people, I just care about your health. I don't want anything to happen to you. Well. That then makes the assumption that every thin person walking around is completely healthy. Right. I know thin people whose cholesterol is 500. I know thin people who don't ever exercise. I know thin people who can binge eat and literally their shape does not change whatsoever. But we don't, we don't comment on that. We, we look at them in awe. Oh my God, I can't believe you ate six burgers in a row. Where do you put it? No, but if a fat woman or a fat person ate six hamburgers in a row, you know, I'm, I'm worried about your health. But, but that person just ate six hamburgers. You don't give a fucking shit about them. No, I don't give a fucking shit about anyone. But um, 
Nobody should be eating six hamburgers. It was an example. I, I get you, but unhealthy eating is unhealthy eating, whether you're fat or skinny. The point is, no one is going to point it out in a fat shaming, negative way to the thin person. No one. Who's pointing this out? C culture. Society? Yes. So this is an issue, like a big issue? Yes. Oh. Absolutely. I mean, I knew that diet culture was always being talked about, but I didn't realize that people were actually getting called out for the way they ate and for being fat. Literally all the time. We just saw, we just watched a TikTok the other day that I saved for you where this woman who's fat um, had gotten a comment on her on one of her previous TikTok videos that said, your, you, your folds are so big, you need a forklift to lift them. I, I just assumed that that was just an ignorant person just making a comment, you know, on a TikToker. But I've never, you know, I'm fat and I've never been at a restaurant and had somebody be like, dude, you really shouldn't eat those fries. They're not going to say it to your face, but they're thinking it. They're telling their kids not to do that. They're using us as examples of what not to be. They're giving us looks. I have, I had an experience this was, God, um, 13 years ago, so I would have been, oh my God, I can't do math, 26, okay? I was going through a tough time mentally. I was having a hard time with my anxiety and depression. I was trying a new medication. I had actually just lost 20 pounds because I had started a medication that made me so jittery and anxious that this was one of the happy side effects I wouldn't ever want to eat. And I didn't ever want to eat. I forgot to eat and lost weight. And that day I was feeling like I was feeling like I was feeling pretty good. Not, not necessarily because of my weight. It was a nice day. I was walking around downtown New Haven in my town and I decided to stop at Cold Stone and treat myself to some ice cream. I had my headphones in, but little did the people who I was walking by know that my iPod had died. So my headphones were on, but I wasn't listening to anything. And I was just walking down the street, minding my own business. And a complete fucking stranger, an adult man said in my direction, thinking I couldn't hear him, you better watch those pounds as I'm eating ice cream, walking down the street. And the group of adults who was with him at the bus stop all cackled having no idea that I heard them. Fun fact, I was about 60 pounds thinner than I am now. That's interesting. These are things that happen to people all the time. Yes, I mean, there's always gonna be a group of idiots somewhere that's gonna cat call somebody about something. So, I mean, I, I guess we could say the same thing about someone who's being homophobic or racist or transphobic. You know, there doesn't, I don't understand. But where do we draw the line? You know, Why do are, we have to draw a line? Are we going to group fat shaming into the same group as racism and homophobia and transphobia and... No. But when you say, where are we going to draw the line? Why does there have to be a line? Why is racism bad, but fat shaming is like, 
eh, not that big of a deal. It doesn't, you know, I don't get fat shamed to my face. I don't, I don't really care. It's a problem. It's pervasive. Uh, I agree. And it's trickling down into young people who are, I mean, thankfully, this anti-diet culture movement and body positivity and body neutrality movement has become very vocal that hopefully kids in, in Gen Z and younger won't have to feel ashamed for their body size, won't have to feel you know, shame for having a body difference. Right. That's, that's the point. I'm not implying that it's, that it's a hate crime or that it's, you know, but it's an issue and it's, it's, it's damaging. I, I, th I agree. I think so too. So there's a quote in the article that says, as a culture, we continue to equate thinness with wellness and weight loss with effort. Thin equals healthy, fat equals unhealthy, losing weight equals accomplishment, gaining weight equals laziness. Many people in larger bodies are active, healthy, and happy, and many in smaller bodies are not. Some people may be able to improve their health by losing weight, but many others only believe they should lose weight because of the fat-phobic message society is sending them. Yeah, that's interesting too. What's interesting about it? It's interesting because I never realized it was as much of a problem as it is. I find that interesting that you aren't aware of that. Why? Well, I talk about it all the time. <laughs> Do you really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you might be crushing candy or, you know, killing bad guys in your games, but... I don't know. I feel very overwhelmed with everything. You look overwhelmed. In, in 2020, it's like, <laughs> it's like everything has become a movement. Um, What's wrong with that? It's a lot to keep up with. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying that there's a lot of information that has come to light in 2020 and I'm not even entirely sure what we're talking about anymore. Diet culture. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking diet culture was more of like fad diets. It is. That's part of diet culture. I was reading an article and it was saying that diet culture, diets in general, includes anything that eliminates a food group. And they were including veganism. Absolutely. As a fad diet. And I, I found that extremely interesting. And, okay. and of course, I came up with, you know, 50 reasons why they were right and 50 reasons why they were wrong. Sure. And again, it's not going to. It's not going to matter, but, you know, by eliminating food groups, um, being a vegan would be considered a, a fad diet. Well, and, and fad, I guess, is subjective to the person who's doing it. If the person is eating a vegan diet as a fad to lose weight, then yes, for that person, it would be a fad diet. But for someone who, you know identifies their lifestyle or even just their diet as vegan and it's it's a commitment or a long-term lifestyle for them I don't think that would necessarily be a fad diet for that particular person 
We watched a show a couple weeks ago about this whole fasting craze that's been going on. Yes. And people talking about like fasting as you know, intermittent fasting in particular has become very yeah. popular. <clears throat> and they can only drink water. Okay. And I think it's that one. And what was the other one? Keto. Yep. And I think people don't realize how dangerous some of these diets are actually. Well, keto, from my understanding, is basically um, the Atkins diet, the South Beach diet, just rebranded. So it's basically high fat, low carbs. I don't see where that's healthy. It's not. Yeah, it doesn't it, seem good not. to me. Um, intermittent fasting is more like choosing regular times to both eat and fast. So some people eat in an eight hour period each day and then, oh, how many hours would be left? 16 hours. <laughs> the other 16 hours they would fast. Um, or some combination of that, you know, stopping their eating at a certain time every day and not starting again until the next morning. Um, Whenever I hear somebody talking about the keto diet, they, they're, they're always excited. Oh, me and the wife are going to start the keto diet. She's got all these recipes, and we're going to eat this and this and this. Mm -hmm. and it's going to be so awesome. And then it, it cracks me up. You know, they, they talk about it incessantly. Oh, I can't have that. I'm on the keto diet. <laughs> oh, I can't have that. I'm on the keto diet. But my wife made this avocado armpit mousse that was just to die for and no i can't eat that i'm on the keto diet and that's all you fucking hear yep. and then all of a sudden like two months down the road you don't hear it anymore and you're like so how's that keto diet going uh yeah well we stopped we stopped doing it for for thanksgiving and we went on a cruise yeah and then we went and... on a cruise it wasn't very feasible there and yeah we just haven't gotten back on it it's, it's, it's the same with every diet. It's like everyone is always so excited at the beginning and then a couple of months later, and that's all you fucking hear about. And then a couple months later, it's dead. Because that's, that's basically the whole point of a diet is that for most people, most of the time, and I'm not going to talk in absolutes, but for most people, most of the time, they just simply do not work because they're not sustainable. Because as humans, we we don't respond well to being told what to do and what not to do. A good uh, other end of the spectrum would be um, intuitive eating. So I'm not sure if you've heard of that. I think you've probably heard me talk about it um, or like mindful eating kind of. So I'm going to include all of these links and definitions in the show notes, but intuitive eating is a self-care eating framework which integrates instinct, emotion, and rational thought. It was actually created by two dietitians, and it's a weight-inclusive, evidence-based model. So it's more about kind of the instinct part, checking in with yourself. Why am I eating this? Am I eating this because there's a little acronym um, in the eating disorder world, HALT B. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or, bo or, or bored? Why am I eating? Is it for any one of those reasons? And figuring out, 
okay, what what do I need instead of binge eating? What do I need instead of restricting that I can fulfill that emotional need instead? You look like you're about to fall asleep. <laughs> this is not your favorite topic, is it? I, I don't know. I just, no, not really. It's interesting, but it's, I don't know. I guess it doesn't necessarily apply to me. I'm having a difficult time wrapping my head around it. If I may be so bold, as a fat person, how do you feel that this does not apply to you? I don't have the time or the, the energy to give myself a counseling session before I eat something. Normally I, I eat because I'm hungry and I ask my tongue, what are you in the mood for? What do you want for dinner, tongue? <laughs> And my tongue thinks about it for a second. And then my tongue is like, mmm, I want a grilled cheese sandwich. And so I make myself a grilled cheese sandwich. Do you know what that's called? What you just did? Eating dinner. Intuitive eating. Oh, that's cool. That's what people who don't have eating disorders or disordered eating are able to do. So why do I still choose to eat unhealthy food? Well, I'm not... I'm going to just quickly, as an aside, say what is unhealthy food, but that could be a whole... Oh, God. Don't say that again. But this is diet culture language. But there's a... give me an example. Why do I also eat a bowl of ice cream? Yes. Yes. Good, good Because point. it's high sugar, high fat, it tastes good, and you like it. I love it. I'm sorry. You love it. I love it. <laughs> and... Would it be safe to say that you've not been on a diet before? I'm sure I've been on a diet before. Okay. I mean, I think that's just a rite of passage for adulthood. I think everybody has to go on a diet. Do you feel like you have succumbed to, and I'm going to be so bold as to say, the evils of diet culture where you start a diet, feel restricted, stop the diet, binge eat, start another diet, feel restricted. I mean, this tends to be the cycle for folks with disordered eating or eating disorders who are anti-diet culture. No, no, I don't think I've ever been on a planned meal diet. Then that could be why this doesn't feel like it applies to you. I think that I have made decisions throughout my life that I've wanted to cut out certain things or cut down on certain things sure. for health reasons. But and I'm not saying that I've failed. I mean, I've, I've learned a lot about nutrition and um, I tried to eat less unhealthy food, I guess. I don't like vegetables and that's a big issue. Yeah. Like all I mean, not, yeah, that it's a big issue, but yeah, you don't like vegetables. All vegetables. Green things. All vegetables taste like shit to me. <laughs> <laughs> Except green beans. I love green beans. Mm. Um, and broccoli. I like broccoli. Mm -hmm. But... But again, I, you know, I, I cook for myself. So it's like, am I really going to whip up a whole thing of green beans just for myself? Right. You know what I mean? Like right. I don't have, I don't have like formal sit down meals. I, you know, I'll make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a grilled cheese sandwich or a bowl of soup or an egg or something like that for dinner. You know, breakfast is a protein shake and my coffee. Yeah. There's no lunch. And then, you know. But it, it, that's not what I eat because I'm trying to lose weight or I'm trying to diet. It's what I eat or don't eat because, you know, 
coffee and a protein shake fills me up, and then I'm not hungry again until dinner. Yep. And when I say dinner, we have a really strange schedule here. So dinner is yeah, like... Yeah, I get up at 3 a.m. Dinner is like 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You That's know? right. But yeah, like I, I don't want steak and baked potato. You know, I think the, the biggest meals I'll make for myself is like an egg and cheese burrito or something. I was just going to say probably something like that. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't eat like that because I'm starving myself. Like, I, I don't eat lunch because I'm not hungry. Yeah. Why eat if you're not hungry? So, without knowing it, because you you don't really need to relearn how to eat intuitively, you're already doing it. For someone like me, who has had eating disorders for almost 30 years, I don't... I don't know how to instinctively eat intuitively. I have to stop and have a counseling session. Not before every meal, but... In general. Like to make sure that you're, if your I'm in mind an and body are on track together. That's right. If I'm in an emotional state and I feel like I might be choosing my foods, my food for a purpose that could start a binge, mm. I need to check in with myself. But that doesn't seem like that's something that you think about, which is fantastic. I mean, I can't say that I've never overeaten. Everyone I mean, on this planet has overeaten, and it does not mean that they have an eating disorder or even disordered eating. Right, right. You have an entire holiday in this country devoted to eating as much as you physically, humanly can. It was just last week. Yeah. But when I do overeat, I hate it. I hate that feeling. I hate the way I physically feel. I hate the way I mentally feel. And it's not, I don't overeat because I want to. Mm. It's kind of like an accident. Yep. Usually when like, I... oops, shit. <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> for real. You, the, like, like the woman who accidentally gets pregnant, you know? It's like, no, but I get it. Like, I was a little bit too much, too into that meal. I was talking to someone. I didn't notice how much I'd eaten. Right. I didn't realize I ate the whole plate. Right. For me, it's quite the opposite. I'm, I'm completely cognizant that I'm eating this whole plate and now I have to make sure or not make sure, but work with myself that I don't eat a whole other plate to fill an emotional need now that I've gotten the physical need. Got it. Met. So is it wrong that I make fun of fat people? Very much so. That sounds like that could be another episode entirely. Huh? Yeah. This is not a new topic for us, but it's a new topic for Pixie and Ogre. So perhaps we'll have a part two. <laughs> <laughs> we are nearly out of time. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Nope. Okay. Well, thank y'all. Have a good one. Bye. If you are interested in sending us listener letters, asking for advice, sharing something unusual or topics that you want us to discuss, send an email to pixieandogrepod at gmail.com. That's P-I-X-I-E-A-N-D-O-G-R-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. Thanks.